Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in the series we're doing called Neighboring Well. Neighboring Well. And this series is, uh, is really about hospitality, but I'm calling it Kingdom Hospitality. So it's, it's more than just inviting people over to dinner, which is a great thing and uh, certainly a part of hospitality and, and part of that gifting. But it's, it's a, a hospitality that helps people feel comfortable opportunities to um, talk to them uh, and, and, and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And that from our last series, we said really, you know, one of our main purposes here is, is declaring the praises of God so that people can come out of darkness into His marvelous light. And so we're looking at um, hospitality from that aspect, and I said there's some spiritual components to it and some practical um, applications as well. And we, we started with the spiritual applications, um, which are all about, um, I said, taking a stand. That, that we're going to take a stand against the schemes and the tricks and the lies and the deceptions of the evil one. And that um, in this concept of kingdom hospitality, the, the, the idea is that there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. They're in no way equal. It's not, a, it's not like a tug of war on a horizontal plane. The kingdom of God is vastly superior and victorious already at the cross. Um, and, and while the kingdom of darkness has been rendered virtually powerless at the cross, it still exists and the enemy uses the tools and tricks of lies and schemes and traps. And that um, our, our focus is to help people see that and then step into the light, into the kingdom of God in Christ. And so that's what this is about. We're, we're talking about taking a stand um, on behalf of our neighbors. We also define neighbors, just so you know, as anybody who needs the mercy of God. So we're not limiting that to just the people that live around us. Um, anybody that you encounter who needs the mercy of God is your neighbor, and, and that we are trying to share with uh, our neighbors the idea of how much God loves them and, and um, to demonstrate that love to them in order that we have opportunities to present the good news and see them come out of darkness into light. And so that's kind of the idea. And this idea of taking a stand for our neighbors um, is, is having us look now at the armor of God in Ephesians. And we've been looking at this armor piece at a time, not only standing against the devil's schemes for ourselves, but also on behalf of our neighbors. And, and, um, and so that's what we've been looking through in this whole process. And we've talked about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and having our feet, you know, the readiness of the gospel of peace on our feet. And we, we talked about the shield of faith and we talked about the helmet of salvation last week. Today what we're going to look at is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so we're, we're going to launch in in just a second, moving from the intro into the main thing. I'm, 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 one thing that I do is give you a bad joke. I will not disappoint in this transition today. Uh, how do you describe a frog with broken legs? Unhoppy. It's a classic. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bad joke. That's why. The scripture reading is here on purpose. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but is the light is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. 
Blessed be the word of the Lord. Our verse for today is Ephesians six seventeen. Take the, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So last week we broke that down. We looked at the helmet of salvation. This week, point number one in your notes, we're going to talk about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Um, talking about the Word of God is one of my sa- favorite subjects to share. My hope always being that um, in presenting this idea of the importance of spending time in the Word of God, that, that a few more people will pick it up and will we'll take it on in sincerity and allow it to become a part of their lives. Uh, and that it's such an important thing to me that, that um, you know, I, I think if I were to talk about the, you know, other than, than helping people out of darkness into light, which is obviously our mission, but from that point, as far as discipleship goes, um, if I can encourage people to make a daily habit of reading the Bible and praying, I think we, we cover a lot of ground. And you might think, well, that's what everybody should be doing. Everybody should be doing that uh, as believers. But it's, it's really the, one of the main points of attack that the evil one wants to keep you. He wants to keep you from praying and reading the Bible. Because uh, he he's able to do all sorts of stuff if he can keep you from that. So my hope would be, and I'll, I'll say it right from the front, that from this, perhaps if you're not um, uh, actively engaged in a daily sort of time with God in the Word, um, that, that you'll come out of this and think, I really should do that. Not guilted into it, but encouraged into it. Because if, if you're guilted into it, you know, spending time in the Bible should never be a chore. Um, it, it really should be something that you, you look forward to. And, and when that connection is made, I, I think that you absolutely will. So let's talk about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Um, the sword that's being described there is, is from a Greek word, makira, and, and uh, that song uh, or, uh, is, is sort of the, it's the normal sword of a Roman soldier that he's talking about, and it would be the shorter sword, uh, um, sort of like a machete uh, size sword, only probably not curved, straight bladed, uh, um, and um, 18 inches, 24 inches long, a shorter sword, but this was the, the normal sword of the Roman soldier, it was the preferred sword, it was used in hand-to-hand combat, it was a very precise instrument, it was, it was used on a definite sort of uh, mission to n- not only defend but to attack and to be victorious in that attack, and, um, and this sword is the one that's most often returred, referred to in the New Testament. There is a broad sword that's talked about sometimes, which is a much longer sword, that's not the the word in the Greek that's used here, it's this 18 to 24 inch um, sword that, that they're talking about. Um, and normally when you see the word sword in the New Testament, it's referring to this type of sword. Um, it's the, uh, it was the, the type of sword that the soldiers carried when they came to arrest Jesus. It's the type of sword that Peter had when he, uh, in that process, cut off that guy's ear in the process. You know, on Wednesday... At, in the afternoon, we, we have a Bible Institute class for our young leaders that are around here. And we, we were a- actually talking about uh, something similar. And I, I brought up this, and I asked them this question. I said, do you know why Peter um, cut off that soldier's ear there in the garden? And they looked at me and said, they're not sure. And I said, because he missed. Did you ever think about that? So I read this stuff all the time. He missed. He wasn't going for the ear. It was a pretty exact sword. He was going for something completely different. And uh, obviously he ducked or something. But, but you, you just get the significance of what's happening. If you've ever considered that story, and well, why did he slice off the ear? He was not aiming for the ear. Um, and uh, 
and Jesus, you know, healed that guy. But still, this is the idea of that sword. It, it, was, a, uh, it was a very effective tool or weapon for both defense and offense and the preferred sword of the Roman soldier. And so as a believer, as we look at the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, we have this incredible weapon that's been given to us um, to defend uh, against uh, and also attack the enemy that we have. And, and the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, um, what I want you to see in this concept is what, what's being talked about here, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is that it's not, uh, not only the Bible, which it is, you've been given the Word of God, but along with that as a believer, see, because anybody has access to the Bible, as a believer, you have something that comes along with that, and that's that you have someone inside you who teaches you truth. You have a resident inside you, uh, the Holy Spirit in you, teaching you truth. And that amazing uh, conjunction, if you would, of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in you is this idea of a spiritual sword. The sword of the Spirit is a... uh, the, The concept is really it's a spiritual sword. It's the Holy Spirit who resides in you, in Christ, and the Word of God coming together. The one who leads you into truth, the Holy Spirit in in conjunction with the Word of God. And and so this is an amazing thing that you need to understand. It's a... it's the... uh, the infilling of the Spirit who, who brings the Word of God to life in you and teaches you all truth. First John 2.20 said, You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. This concept was the Holy Spirit is in you and, and he's, He teaches you truth and, and it allows us to be extremely effective. It's a very effective um, weapon in our arsenal. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the Bible and the Holy Spirit working in conjunction, giving us a spiritual sword for everything that's going on around us. So it's, it's used for defense. That's point number two. And, and uh, it's a great defensive uh, tool uh, when an attack comes at us. Most often when you're in the Bible and you, you see the word word, I, don't, I have to say word word and it looks funny, but when you see the word word in the Bible, it's from a Greek word most often which is logos. Um, which means the entire Word of God. But sometimes when you see the word word, the way we translate it, it's from the Greek word rhema, which refers to a specific part of Scripture for a specific situation. Not out of context, and that's very important, but it's a specific part of Scripture for a specific situation. And it's the word rhema that we have in reference to the sword of the Spirit. And, And so in effect... What's going on here is when we need to take a stand on, on our behalf or on behalf of our neighbors in this process, God will make sure by His Spirit that we have just the right sword for the battle. We'll have just the right word for what we need to step into. And, and a great example of this is when Jesus um, is, is tempted in the wilderness by the enemy. And I want to look at that. And you'll see how He sort of has marched into the, the, uh, the weapons room, if you would, and He's grabbed three swords, all from the book of Deuteronomy, and he has them available for this battle. So Matthew 4, 1 through 4, says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's Deuteronomy 8.3. Jesus quotes scripture at the attack, defends himself with that rhema of the word, that sword of the spirit, 
Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Goes on. The attack continues. Matthew 4, 5, and 6. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you've caught this before, but this should catch you every time you read this because this is a significant point. If you don't, haven't seen this before, the enemy quotes Scripture at Jesus. That's straight Scripture, Psalm 91, 11, and 12. But it's out of context, Scripture. But the enemy uses Scripture to try and get Jesus to sin. Now, Jesus is aware of what's going on, and he's going to come back with the, with the absolute right rhema word for it. But whenever I think about that, I mean, do you understand how important it is for you to know the Bible? We have an enemy who knows it. Now, he, it's not illuminated to him by the Spirit of God, but he knows the Bible, and he tries it on Jesus. Just think about the gall of the enemy trying out the Scripture on the one who wrote it all. Um, but still, I mean, don't think it doesn't come at you. Same sort of thing. The enemy, that's, that's one of the reasons it's so important that you're reading the Bible for yourself, is that we have an enemy, and, and what he'll do is he'll take it out of context or he'll twist it just a little. And, and people will even come at you um, who, who are trying to get you to move in a bad direction, and sometimes they'll even bring the Bible with them to try and make that happen, and, and you've got to have it inside you, this sort of the Spirit, the, the reading of the Word in conjunction with the leading of the Holy Spirit, so you know what's coming at you. And Jesus responds in Matthew 4, 7. It's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. That's Deuteronomy 6, 16. Comes right back with, with Scripture. Then goes on in Matthew 4, 8 through 11. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's Deuteronomy 6.13. So, so there goes, uh, you keep seeing the, 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 the attack, the enemy coming and the Lord defending with this concept, the sword of the Spirit, the rhema of the, the Scripture for the instance in what's taking place. And then it says in Matthew 4.11, the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. And the idea is that when we take a stand against the enemy uh, and on, on our own behalf, on behalf of our neighbors, that um, we have at our disposal through the Spirit, the right spiritual sword, the, the Word of God and the Spirit of God in conjunction for that specific battle. So I, I want you to have this in mind as we, we talk about the, the Word of God and, and, and what's being looked at, the sword of the Spirit, and how for defense, because the enemy attacks us with lies, deceptions, tricks, schemes, shame, guilt, and, and you have to be prepared for that by knowing the reality of the Word of God as the Spirit enlightens us um, in, in, as He resides in us. So not only is it an amazing defensive weapon, it's also an amazing offensive weapon. And, and uh, it's the weapon that we have that, that really gives us the greatest impact um, for the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. And Ephesians 5, 16 through 17, it's a pretty big chunk of Scripture, but let me read it to you. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. 
For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. You do that by being illuminated by this book, by the Spirit of God. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I just think it's such a great admonition by the Apostle Paul. He's saying, listen, you need to walk in the light, the, uh, the truth of God. It exposes darkness. That's part of what we're supposed to do is, is uh, you know, we're, we're to be different enough from the culture while loving them well, but different enough that, that, that the, 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 the fruitless deeds of darkness are exposed for what they are. Um, but this comes from, from living by trying to do the next right thing and living in the light the best that we can. None of us are perfect, but, but in that process as we go. And it's the impact that we have in, is, is of, of this whole process of speaking and living the truth to rescue people from that darkness, sharing the gospel message, sharing the good news. We've gone over and over those verses here in this series, how important it is for us to, when the opportunity presents itself, that, that we're able to speak into people how amazing Jesus is, what lengths he's gone to to restore them into relationship, to, to um, have those little opportunities to talk about our need for reconciliation, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that none of us will make it in our own strength or in our own works, but that God has made a way for that to happen at the cross. And, and be able to, to share that with people um, from loving them well enough and making them feel comfortable enough that they want to hear it from us. Um, that's all part of this process of hospitality. And, and so what we need to do, last point, point four, we need to keep our sword sharp. We need to keep our sword sharp. Um, because the enemy, what he wants is for your sword to become dull and unusable. And he's, the enemy has figured this out. And, and um, this, is, this is a neat verse in, in 1 Samuel 13 about how the Philistines, who were the enemies of Israel at this point, had figured out how to keep Israel in check. Uh, and it was really quite simple. Um, but what they did was, uh, let me read it to you. Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel. Because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plowshares, mattocks, axes, and sickles sharpened. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plowshares and mattocks, and a third of a shekel for sharpening forks and axes and for repointing goads. So on the day of the battle... Not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. What the enemy had figured out, if he took the blacksmiths out of the land, all he had to do was go and eliminate the blacksmiths. Their swords would quickly become unusable and worthless, and they wouldn't pay to keep them sharpened. Even if they wanted to sharpen, they wouldn't have sharpened them. And, and uh, they absolutely, um, for a season, kept Israel in complete and utter bay by just taking away their blacksmiths shut them down keeping their swords dull so they weren't they were useless in battle and and I the enemy continues to try and do that today in this context because if if he can take whatever generation of Christians are are currently on deck 
And if he can make them not understand the Bible or see its importance or, or get them distracted, um, their, their swords become ineffective. And, and we become really kind of useless in, in our mission. And so we, we need to do our part in cooperation with the Spirit then to, to keep these swords sharp. And so A is this, and, and, and there's no better thing than this. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. Read it every day. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ, let, the, let this word dwell in you richly. There's no substitute for reading the Bible. There isn't anything that's an effective substitute. Um, there's a lot of good things to do. And I'm not picking anything. It's, it's like you can listen to teachings. You can, you can watch videos you can, about teaching. You can, um, you can do all sorts of things. But they're never a substitute for you reading the Bible because it's when you open the book and you begin to read it that it connects with you in a way that's effective for everything in your life. And you have to do that. You, you, have, to, you have to take time to do it. It just has to become a, a something that you do. And yet, our, our, the enemy is so crafty so sneaky. That's why he's been so effective for so long. So sneaky. Has, has got us off track to where we, we will settle for substitutes. We'll settle for somebody else teaching. Or we'll just buy into the fact that we're too busy. Or we have so many other things going on now. So many, we can go on the internet and get busy for hours doing things that really don't make that much difference. We can, the televisions are blaring at us. Not, and I'm not picking on any of those things. I'm just saying is what happens, it's like um, it's almost the same as the Philistines coming in and taking out the blacksmiths. People of, people of God aren't reading the Bible for themselves the way they used to. Our literacy, illiteracy rates of Bible have climbed to um, new highs because we, we, are, we just don't think, think what we need to. We can get all this stuff bombarded at us, but it's not a substitute. And, and, and people have just stopped opening the book. And, and I, I want to encourage you again, you, you have to... Uh, you have to take time to read it every day. Um, it doesn't need to be hours. I'm talking about minutes. Minutes will keep your sword sharp. Five minutes a day. Start there. If you're not reading, if you've just... And, and it's so easy to make excuses. I get it. I know how busy we are. And we, we oversleep. We wake up late because sometimes we stay up too late because we're watching something that really doesn't matter on TV and or we get on the internet and we, you know, we think five minutes on the Facebook and four hours later it's like... <gasps> and, and we've lost all this time and so now we're, we're crunched into our sleep and we hit the snooze. How many of you guys do the snooze thing? Beep, beep, beep. It's horrendous. If you're snoozing a lot, you know what's mean? It means you're not, for, for whatever reason, you're not getting to bed when you should. And so I know some of you are just overwhelmed, but man, it needs to be, please let it be that you're just busy doing things that you have to do. You're not filling that time with stuff that doesn't count. And then losing the opportunity to spend five, ten minutes in the Word. It just has to become a focused part of your life. It has to. You've got to keep your sword chart. When, you, when you're not doing that, you're just falling into that trap of, of not having it at your disposal all that you need. See, the only way you can really yearn, learn to wield the sword effectively, defensively, and, and offensively um, is spending time with it and knowing, you know, what's in there and how to access it and, and where it's at and, you know, an idea. I'm not saying boop, but just, I mean, you, you know, you, you should be comfortable in your Bibles and, and as believers and you should have, you should have read it. 
um, I want to encourage you, if you haven't read this thing, you need to read it. Um, I, we do, uh, on, on my websites, there's plans for reading this thing every year, all right? Some are excessive. I read it sort of excessively probably, but it's good for me. But, uh, but there's ways through it every year that take five, ten minutes a day. It, boom, done. You can read the whole book. And, and then you can grow from there. So you have to do it. Uh, another thing, though, and this is very important, learn this, point B. When you sit down to read your Bible, ask for understanding. Ask for understanding. I told you, you have the resident counselor in truth, in, in, of truth residing in you. He lives in you. Ask him to help you understand the Scripture. And you should pray that way every time you sit down and read. Lord, would you just illuminate your word to me today? Would you just, just let me understand it? Because people tell me all the time, I don't understand it, so I don't read it. Ask the Spirit of God to help you, and then and He will. And, you know, it, it's not like all of a sudden you'll get all of it. But every time you sit down to read it, you, it will start expanding itself to you. Because He's the teacher. He's the truth. He teaches truth. He leads us into truth. John 14, 26, the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So get in the habit, uh, when you sit down to read your Bibles, which I'm hoping you're going to start doing if you hadn't been, that, that as you sit there and get started, just ask, Lord, Lord, would you just help me? Holy Spirit, help me to understand what I'm going to read today. And, and, and He will. He's very good about that. He does that. And then I, I got a little letter C here. You should memorize some of your favorite passages. This is a really important part of the whole process. Um, when you take time to memorize Scripture, it's just more readily available. The whole thing's available by the Spirit. And I'm, I'm always surprised at how, in a situation, um, the Word of God will just... He, he, he'll, he'll bring it to you by His Spirit. But I'm also amazed at how important it is when I'm going through things to just be able to draw on the Scripture... Um, in the course of my life. James 1.25 says, The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what he does. Not forgetting what he has heard. And so actively trying to um, remember or memorize some scripture is a very, very valuable tool in this entire process. And so um, I, I have, um, you know, I, I've always try and memorize some scripture and then there's some that I sort of think about every day and, and, uh, and dwell on and they become, then they very, they, they find them very effective in my, my day-to-day life in what's going on. Like, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That, that one comes up every day with me. Especially that part, let your gentleness be evident to all. I feel like the Lord's been on me for that one for the last year plus. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Um, but it's in the context of those scriptures. And when I start to... Um, get a little stressed and I realize that I'm, um, I'm allowing that to be kind of evident with the people that are close to me I think well I, I'm supposed to let my gentleness be known and I'll, I'll, that scripture will just pop right up and I'll think okay I'm, I, I don't want to do that what do I do well I, I pray because that's what the scripture says to do there instead of being anxious pray about everything pray about everything and so if you're not praying about everything you should but see it's, it's that kind of um, scripture that, that we need to pull into our minds when we need it because it's important love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it is not rude it is not self-seeking love is not easily angered love keeps no record of, of wrongs does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth love always protects always hope always perseveres love never fails 
1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. That's a great one because um, it reminds you of what love is all about. And so you, you just start asking God to help you to you know, put some of the scripture in you so that it's available to you uh, when you need it because right? it's, it's, it's necessary. Um, and, and so I want to encourage you to take time and, and do these things. Keep your sword sharp because it's the most effective weapon we have in this stand. We have all this neat armor and then we have this sword. Great for defense and, and amazingly powerful for offense so we can have an impact uh, on the world around us which is what you're called to. Uh, as the psalmist said, let your delight be in the word of the Lord and, and the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. Take time to, to just focus in on the Lord and it says there day and night. I like that. It says if you really can get there, do five minutes early, five minutes late. Let that kind of build and I, I firmly believe if you'll do it and, and watch out for the attack because you'll have an attack the enemy won't like you do it you'll get some pushback when you try and do it um, but when you push through that you'll really long for it you'll miss it if you, if you wake up and, and you don't have that time you'll miss it you'll, and you'll, it'll sort of nag at you all day I'm not guilt it's just that you missed it it wasn't duty it's, I missed it I, I wanted to spend time in, in just a little bit of time in the word chapter here chapter there a little bit of the Psalms, a little bit of the Proverbs. If you go on my websites, I detail all that stuff. And just, just read it, because it will change you, and it, and it gets you focused, and makes you effective uh, as a person of mission in the kingdom of God. So think about those things. I'm going to stop there for today. If you're watching my video, thank you so much for doing that for TV, or if you're watching there, we appreciate you doing that as well. Come and visit when you can, when you're in the Keys. We would love to see you here. Uh, if you need prayer, go to the website. We'd be happy to pray for you. But uh, we're going to call it an evening.